Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Uh, nothing to talk about today. We're just going to hang out. Oh, yeah. And, um... Cold. Into no controversy. Everything's beautiful. It's, it's sunny in Buffalo. Sorry, it's so early. The sun is out um, here. No, it's a fantastic day. I'm going to be cleaning my deck today. Can't wait. Power wash. Um, power washing my deck. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Good luck. Yeah, you can't beat it. You can't beat it <laughs> at all. Um, my uh, San Jose Sharks fan last night just. Uh, Texted me the Christmas the playoffs are the Christmas gift that keeps giving to the sharks. I'm like, yep, yep, basically. We'll get um, to that in a minute, though. Yeah, that is a, you go ahead and start. Press. All right. So, did you say go ahead and fart? I said go ahead and fart. Yes. Okay. Um, because that's what it sounded like on my computer. Anyhow, um, here's here's the we're going to talk about the Jets for one more minute because <laughs> yesterday after everything cleared and this really goes for any sport. Just imagine a sport where the owner's okay with firing the GM and the director of player personnel and then basically says, yeah, right now the, the coach never coached a game for the team is the interim GM. No, but let's correct here. This is the owner's brother. The owner is the ambassador to the court of St. No, 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 he is the owner now. He signed over the team to him. You know, they probably traded a few Band-Aids and some stock, and and he is the owner. Anyhow – so just imagine, I want to say it was probably 10 minutes after they said, hey, you're the interim GM. And, of course, he has no GM in experience. He goes and trades a linebacker. So I go and I look at the depth on the Jets. They didn't draft a linebacker. And they already had one linebacking spot open. And now, son of a gun, they've got another one open. And, look, I get that he was a, a former first-round pick and maybe hasn't lived up to potential but he's still a decent NFL player that you didn't have to spend a mint on to go out and get. Like, I just don't get it. If I had a lot of money and I could own a team, I actually would leave it up to the executives and all I would do is manage. And if those two fools would have come into my office and fighting like that, I would have been like, you're under contract, you're under contract, work it out. We're not doing any of this, but instead they did the, the worst possible scenario. This is how interested Eck is in the, in football. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. You know what? <laughs> Just, uh, no, but I would do that for soccer. I would do that for if I was managing his rock band or pop band. I don't care. He can walk away. Fine. Yeah. What's a what's a bigger travesty? What 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 Russ just described, or the fact that James Dolan. Uh, offered the Eagles a discount at Madison Square Garden if he could open up for them. He's <laughs> like, we'll only charge you two hundred thousand dollars in rent or whatever for the for the if you let JD and the Hustlers or whatever the hell his band's name is open up for you. I mean, yeah. heck, would you would you be prepared to do that? Would you give a discount if you could open up for the Eagles? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Of course you would, but you know what? If I were the no, Eagles, you know, the, the honest to God truth is anyone would. I mean, like the um, 
but, you know, the, the competitiveness of opening slots are, is, is really intense. And, oh, uh, sure. and, it, and there's lots of people that pay, you know, record companies pay a ton of money to get bands to open on tour for other people. You know, it's like, it's not uncommon at all that if you're a big band, you're going to make a lot of money from your opener. That's typical stuff. Well, it's funny because uh, last week the Who were in town, and I I won't go see the Who again because I saw them in the I saw them in the eighties, I saw them in the nineties, and you know now it's just it's karaoke basically. No, um, I think it's better than that, Mike. But, I, but I, yeah, I, you know I, I saw them. Mick Jagger dancing. No, no, uh, no. I, I, like a dancing I skeleton. I, I don't need to watch it. But no, I mean no, so, this is crazy. So, but I, I, you know, I saw Townsend and Daltrey when Entwistle was still alive and it was, you know, it was closer to the actual who, so I wasn't going to waste money to go see them now. But the funny thing is in Buffalo, the opening act was a band uh, from Southern Ontario called the Arkells who are big in Canada. Um, and some people think they're like the new tragically hip. I, I don't know about that, but they're, they're a good band, but you know, it's, it, it I have friends who went to that show to see the Arkells and then left because they didn't like the Who. No, you know what? That's ridiculous. I want to tell you something. I saw the Who two two or three years ago. I think it was two years ago, and they were still very good. Like Simon Townsend is actually surprisingly good. Yeah. No, I. I you know, if I get a ticket, if I get a ticket for free, Russ, if like they could have walked out and given me the ticket, I would have gone to see the Who. I just don't want to pay a hundred bucks. Is Daltrey's voice the same? No, but is it still pretty good? Yes. Is right, Townsend still really sound. good? Yes. Actually, Townsend's better now than when he was losing his hearing because he doesn't have so to play in a bubble. Uh, so Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger just had a um, a surgery to replace a heart valve. Right. He's seventy five years old. Okay. Um, and uh, he put posted this video yesterday on, on on his Instagram feed of him working out yesterday. This 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 valve was like replaced last week. Oh, I was gonna say he. Oh, okay. So this is like this is like Mick Jagger, just like putting this out. There. This is like a seventy five year old man. There could I, be strings attached to him. Mac. I, I mean, think it's just strings. insane. I mean, isn't that cool or what? I mean, that's incredible. I think they're electroshocking them. I, I don't even care. Yeah, it's, I, it's crazy. I mean, to be able to, I mean, you know, I mean, I, 75, the guy works out. I'll, works I'll, the, I'll, give all him, long. I'll give him all the credit for, you know, adopting a healthy lifestyle after, you know, what he, what he used to do in the sixties and seventies. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll give him all the credit. I just, I've had, I've never had a desire to go see the stones. Oh, I did. I'm a I mean, fan myself, but I'm just saying that, you know. Like, either, I did have a desire once and I didn't get tickets. There's two things I'll say about this for real. I was, you know, obviously goofing around. The first thing is I could give you a secret. I and mean, this is probably the secret to Mick Jagger's health is that he's a big egg cream guy. Anytime he was in Manhattan, my dad worked around the corner from this great egg cream place and he would see Mick Jagger there a lot. So Mick Jagger was an egg cream guy. So obviously that didn't hurt him. But the problem with Mick Jagger is his voice is really shot. It's been yeah. shot for 10 years. Yes, the, the, the their new tour is going to be called the Steel Wheelchair Tour. No, I mean, I could see the band could still play, but I can't listen. Yeah, I didn't think it was a good one, Mike. You could do better. <laughs> but, I've been getting voice training. I don't know if see what he sounds like. He's been working on that, apparently. Okay. I, the guy is just ridiculous. No, I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not. I've never been a fan of the Rolling Stones. I've never been a fan of the Rolling Stones. Let, that's let, nothing against Rolling Stones. It's just not my cup of tea. But let, let me let me let me just ask you: Have you ever gone to a concert where you went for the opening act and not for the main the main act? 
yes. and, then le and left before the open yeah. before the main end. left before now i mean I'm, if i'm out i mean i mean you know when you're i don't know when you're married and have kids it's like you know for 20 right. years it's you're out you're, you're, not, you're not going home anytime soon you're gonna like just you're gonna <laughs> have a chance to do well, i don't have kids and i did do that we um we went to um oh equity outdoor festival in delaware um uh, there's a bunch um no no either. coachella no, but it's like Coachella. Anyhow. The Philly Folk Festival? No. <laughs> no, it's a massive. That would be in Delaware. That would be not be in Delaware, obviously. Yeah, it's in Dover. That's my birthplace. Anyway. I don't know of it. Hmm. Oh, my God. This thing is fake. But, 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 yeah, I don't continue. Okay. Anyhow, we went and we 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 knew 30 Seconds to Mars was playing, and, and there were a couple bands beforehand, so we saw the few bands beforehand. Obviously, there's bands every – it's Firefly. There's bands every, you know – 10 minutes playing on five different stages. So we went, we saw them, we walked around, we listened to a few other bands, we went back for Muse, and we left after a song. We were like, forget it. We it's not even worth it. And we just went home. Yeah, I always thought they were a little bit overrated. Yeah, I I just I thought Muse was very overrated. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot and a lot of Canadians love Muse, obviously, but yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a real big, I don't know. I think I, I've I, I, I actually played the Firefly Festival. I really said it's Firefly Festival. I'm like, okay, sorry, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's a, it's a it, I mean, it's a great time. It was just one of those things where I can't invest time into something if I don't like it. Yeah, and so I've gotten to the point where yeah, so you, you listen to a band and if it's just not hitting you after a couple songs, like the opener should always hit you, right? Like that's bands know that, and they never no band plays a crap song for the opener. Nobody. Usually it's something upbeat and something they know that either the crowd hasn't heard in a while or that the crowd really likes. Then no. they sort of settle into other stuff. So we gave it a couple songs, and then we were like, you know what, forget it. No, I've had one of the most fun things to do as a band. Um, they, it, you know, I just to say because first of all, you're going in, and it's not your responsibility to sell the house, right? So you're going in without, and usually, and the big, the biggest stress of a band is you know going to do a show and and knowing that you've got to sell all the tickets. That's that's always stressful. You know, we've been in situations. We were we were fortunate that we never had trouble selling tickets because we played in the right. We had good, you know, good bookers who put us in the right size venues. But you know, we could have we could have we would have had trouble selling. You know, bigger like we could have sold yeah. like we could sell like one to two thousand seat places. But if you put us in ten thousand seat places, we would have had trouble. Right. But um. You know, but yeah, but but when you open, you can go into a ten thousand seat place like um like we did a lot with uh with we did with Fleetwood Mac, we did with with Crosby Stills and Nash, and we did with Richard Marks too, which I know doesn't sound like one not like the other. Yeah, but Richard Marks was so nice, he always had to bring it up. Yeah, he was always so nice to us. But yeah, and then you go in and you have no there's no pressure on you, and you can go and actually surprise people because this remember this is the day and age when I was opening at least before the internet where it was hard to actually discover new music. In any way, shape, or form, like you had to hear it on the radio, or you had to be lucky. I mean, you weren't gonna just find something through a group that you liked, who recommended somebody else. It was really hard. So you had the ability to be that, like you know, hey, this is new music you guys don't know about. It was fun. Opening was fun. I mean, you play a quick, you know, four, four or five songs, and you're out of there. Well, I'll just finish on this. Um, usually, that's that's the and, and the, there have been opening acts that have opened up for people that I've seen that have, have impressed me, and I've bought their albums and things of that nature. But when I saw the Police, and I think it was '09 when they did the reunion tour, they opened the band that opened up was a band called Fiction Plane, and they went on for over an hour, and I'm like, it was the longest. That's, it was that's, that's so stupid. It was dreadful. 
It was over, yeah. they were over an hour long. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Everybody wanted to see the police. And then we found out, I found out from somebody who I was sitting next to that the reason, you know, who is this band? Where are they from? Uh, Sting's son was in this band. Oh, I see. And, and that was, that was the reason okay. for the opening act. I, fine. There's that's why I gave him a long time. But Sting should know better because Sting should know that he should know better. Sting should, you know, like Sting's putting his son out in a bad way then because honestly, if I'm, if my son's opening for us, you know, he's playing and and to my crowd, which you know is just there to see us or whatever. I'm yeah, giving him five songs. Thing. And I'm saying do five songs because you don't you want them to just like think that's really cool that that was his son. And I love that. You know, I come out, I introduce it. This is my son's band, da da da. Five songs, you're off. You know, bam, that's it. X got a great point because yep, Billy, Joe, Billy Joe Armstrong's son is in a band and it's pretty good. I've seen them, but he doesn't have them warming up for Green Day. That would be a mistake. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, and if it, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on here. We got to get started show today, and I'm gonna fix this whole situation. I figured it out this morning. Oh yeah, sure you <laughs> I do. I have it. I have it. I think you guys are gonna agree. I think this this show is gonna be transformative. This show is going to change the entire NHL today. Today's podcast is going to change the way things are done in the NHL. Okay. I've already I'm, sent this idea. I must end the show. Bill Daly, Gary Bettman. They already all have this idea. I've already sent this idea along to the powers to be. This, this, because I think this is that good. Ready? Here we go. How's that for a teaser? Hello, Hockey World. It's Thursday, May 16th, 2019. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on hockeybuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, we have another crazy controversy, another referee controversy. Um, and of course, you guys all saw it last night. The the, the overtime goal, you know, it, an obvious, blatant hand pass. And there's so many levels of this, but let's first talk about the goal itself, and then we'll talk about how we can actually fix it. Um, but the first, the the obvious thing, I mean, this is it. You know, I see the hand pass as the play is going on, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's a hand pass. It's it, it's it's so blatant. How do four referees miss that? That is the most incredible part of this thing. So I mean, that is the that is the big thing. I even tweeted to Marty Baron because he was saying. If you think that it's microscopic for the offside, if this were uh -huh. reviewable, this would get microscopic. I get all that. The Really, the bigger problem is that these referees are out of position still, yeah. no matter how many you have of them. Yeah. And it's unforgivable because that play should be whistled dead the minute it happens. It shouldn't matter if it hit another player. None of that matters. There was a pic there was a picture of the positioning of the referees. There was two referees at the at the center ice red line, one at the blue line, and the fourth official was behind the net, but the angle for him between Meyer and him, there was a blues player that obscured his view. So they didn't the 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 you know the explanation was a they they, they didn't see it. But as for why the goal counted, I mean, everybody's like, well, why isn't this being it's, – it's not reviewable. It was so frustrating watching the broadcast and them not telling people that it wasn't reviewable. Like, no, I'm sitting they, there and – Oh, that's true. You're right. They didn't do that. They said it they should – for a very long time, like you're until right. the referees were off the ice. Did yeah. they even say – and it was crazy to me, like, because that was the first thing I said right away to my wife. I'm like, ah, oh, damn, that they missed that, but that's not reviewable. I'm saying that right away to her. I'm like, you know, within seconds, you know, we're that's not reviewable. They can't review that. If they missed it, they missed it. That's how it's going to go down. Which is the dumbest rule in the world. We're going to talk about that, but but the fact is that they missed it like that, and and the fact that the four of them missed it is where you blame the refs, and that's where the ref blaming has to stop because you know that's they missed it um, no, because they can't do anything. Doesn't have to stop. I I disagree with that because it's hit a new low these playoffs. It is now definitely affecting the outcome of games. 
If you want to say, hey, they should have hit the empty net, that's great. But that doesn't always happen. But a game shouldn't matter and shouldn't have ended because of that call. It shouldn't have. Right. Now, if you don't want to make that play reviewable, that's fine. But then they do need to put in a caveat because Toronto is seeing everything and everything is on tape. And if they see something egregious like that, whether, again, it's a mm -hmm. massive penalty that's not called or it's a massive infraction that's not called, somebody has to put a stop to it. You can't let the game end like that. So I heard on Twitter, I'm assuming this is true, that Doug Armstrong pounded once or twice on the referee's door and said, this is BS and walked away. He would never do that. He's a, a Oh yeah, now for him to say that. Guy. Oh yeah, now for him to do that that's that's it's absolutely absurd. It's incredible that the four of them missed at the positioning, you know. I mean, it was the play was in the zone long enough that there could have been somebody else in the zone as well. If you're going to have two referees on the ice, which I which I've always thought is a mistake to be honest, and I'll tell you why I think it's a mistake to have two referees on the ice, but I think I honestly do believe you know, I'll get to my solution that there needs to be a referee in the in the box up top there, which would just which would help things immensely. But um, you know, but that's part of the whole solution. So uh, so let me give you my idea here. Let me just throw my idea out because you know, I've been we've had we've seen so many things happen here. And and I've I've really I so I spent the whole, you know, a long time last night, a long time this morning just like pondering this and like figuring out what we are trying to actually accomplish here, which to me at the end of the day is what we need to figure out. Like we need to because we've changed the we changed the two things that have been become reviewable recently are offsides and goalie interference. And they both became reviewable after egregious instances, right? It, it took something terrible like the Duchesne offsides and I forget who the goalie interference thing was, but it was I think it was one Varlama for some reason. I remember I don't know why, but anyway there's these two instances that, that now cause these two things to be reviewable. All right. At that point, you know, we have now like lost control of this thing because we are reviewing things based on things that happen. We're reviewing, we're reacting to everything instead of trying to actually fix the problem. You know, and I here's what I think needs to happen. I think it's so simple. We need to make make there there need we need to get rid of challenges altogether. Challenges are ridiculous. Get rid of the church's oh, challenge. No, it's a stupid thing because first of all. The one thing here's here's what I say. Listen to my whole idea, and then you can tear it apart. Yeah, yeah. Here's, here's the one thing that should never like we can't we got to get out of the review of mind mindset is penalties. Penalties are not reviewable in any way, shape, or form. And they're talking about you know, how the high stick you know in Vegas they blew that, but you can't review penalties. You can't review cross checks. In my that part is the human aspect of refereeing. That's just refereeing to me. The ref makes the call. You just got to live with that. And it's gonna they're gonna make bad calls. They're that's not a goal, you know, that's a pe penalty could turn into a goal, but it's still just a penalty that occurs. And to me, those mistakes are going to happen. I I'll even include in that the like shooting the puck out of the rink thing or whatever. I think that has to be a referee's call, not reviewable, but here's what we need. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep instances from happening like this one. And the way to do that is really simple. You put somebody up in a booth after every single goal that happens, you wipe out all this stuff, offsides, everything's re everything's reviewable within 10 seconds of a goal. Okay, so to me, what you have to do is the second the goal goes in, the uh, no matter what happens with the goal, no matter what time it is, the referee up top, we have the technology that he gets the, immediately, his, his screen goes back to the last 10 seconds that happened. He gets to watch that while the players are celebrating, cheering, going to the bench, slapping hands. The re upstairs referee is viewing the last 10 seconds. And if he sees something that was missed in there, the puck hit the netting. 
Say there was an offsides that happened that, that directly correlated to the goal. Say, you know, it was hand passed or a high, because you could, a high stick pass to a player could have happened and he scored. Whatever was missed, whatever infraction happens within 10 seconds of that goal that directly leads to that goal. Mm -hmm. If he sees something, then he calls down right away and says, we've got a problem. And then the refs can be. Um, if he doesn't see anything within the 10 seconds of the goal, tough luck. Because if you missed the offsides 20 seconds ago, you had time to get the puck out of the zone. If you, if you made it, if you made a high stick 20, 10 seconds is a long time. You know, if you count off 10 seconds before every goal, it's a lot, a lot happens. In hockey, 10 Hold on. You know, so to me, if you just do this and have this, bam, you're done. Or, you know, so there's two, two instances when the referee, in my opinion, would communicate with the guy up top. One would be if he sees something he missed or the other, every time a goal is waved off, it's automatically reviewed up top, just automatically. You automatically review it because there aren't many goals that are waved off. A yeah. goal's waved off. He says, you know, you kicked it. That's automatic review. That's not, that's nothing. It's just, and, and referees on the ice are going to be fine with that. That's an automatic review. That's how it goes. The, the, the so, problem, sorry. To me, that gets rid of all of this crap. If, if, are we reviewing when pucks go out of play? No, no, we shouldn't all the time. If, if it goes off the if it goes off the netting and nothing happens as a result of it, fine, let the play continue. Are reviewing this offsides? No, it was it was close enough. You know, the refs, the linesmen are good enough to usually get the offsides. It was a millisecond that happened thirty five seconds ago. No, that doesn't have anything to do with the goal. Okay, the first thing is I, I agree with you in terms of reviewing penalties because penalties are subjective. Uh, are some calls missed? Are some calls? Uh, over officious like the the Eakin call. I mean, I don't even know if it should have been a two minute penalty, let alone a five in a game. Um, yes, so you you accept that. I, I think that if you go down the road of the NFL, where they review every touchdown, you're going to increase the the, the time for games significantly because it's going to take them time with all the goals that are happening throughout the league, if they do it centrally in Toronto, or even if they ferry it out to different the different locations, it's going to take time for them to review those goals. Even if it's a, a no-brainer, it's, you know, it's going to take them at least a few seconds. And if it's a controversial goal, it's going to take as long as it's taking right now. Where I think that this is the solution here is, is similar to the, or, well, it's getting to be similar to the, to the NFL, NFL now after the New Orleans uh, Rams uh, controversy have coaches have two or three reviews, depending on what they want of anything, anything, whether it be pan pass or offsides or goal or whatever, anything, but two, and that's it. Now, it last, yesterday, if they had used up their two reviews on something else, that's they'd have shit up. Then we're not getting it right, Mike. What's up? We're not really getting it right. We're we're then then it's a it's a judgment call on whether or not the guy should have wasted his his challenge on this or wasted his challenge on that. We're not. This isn't a game. Hockey's not a game about whether or not a coach's challenge is right. Like that's like to me that's a ridiculous part of the game right now. All right, then you know what? I'm gonna call Elon Musk and we'll have a drone ref. That's all. And the drone ref will have all the rules of hockey downloaded into him, and the other refs will be able to look on their watch. And see the replay if the drone ref says, you know, your watch lights up and it buzzes when it's basically something's happened. And then this way, nothing will be missed. And that um, Russ, you hear my, con you hear my that, concept, right? That drone ref will be high, okay. by the way. Russ, did you hear my concept? I heard most of it. I didn't okay. hear all. The concept is simple. Every, no, so put, it, put it this way. Everything is reviewable within 10 seconds of a goal. But it's, but it's reviewable up top 
immediately after the goal, the guy, the the guy, when the goal scored, the yeah. up top has a camera has, immediately switches to a 10 second back thing. It yeah. plays through. He sees is anything. Did they miss anything within those 10 seconds? If no, he doesn't yell down. If he sees something in there, the puck went out, hit the, hit the, maybe it hit the netting. Maybe there was an offsides. Maybe there was a high stick. Maybe there's a pan pass, whatever. I'm okay with that. What? I'm good with that. I mean, doesn't that fix everything? Because it's like, and I know you yeah. can say, I'm picking 10 seconds randomly, but 10 seconds is a really long time. In hockey, it's a really long time. If you go back 10 seconds for every goal, yeah. if you can't do something to change it, like if there was an offside that happened 20 seconds ago, that's on you. Like, if you you got to get the puck out of the zone. You know what right. I mean? It's like, to me, that's, sure, it was missed, but it's it's like, we're like, it's, it's, what we do with offsides is the equivalent of a hand pass that happened 20 yeah, minutes ago. You know, like, we go back to the hand pass and say no. But no, it has, to, it has to have led to goal. Anything that happens 10 seconds before a goal leads to a goal. Offsides, you know? was, offsides wasn't a problem yesterday. I mean, I know it's been an ongoing problem and a pain in the ass over the last few years in terms of the time that it takes and going back. I mean, honestly, offsides is settled by breaking the plane and not having a skate down on the ice. If that's if, if that that would cut down the number of offside uh, reviewable calls because it's all about the skate being down on the ice before the blue line. Mike, I thought that way too, but then I think that's really crazy complicated for no reason. Like when you think about it, linesmen get 99% of the offsides right. And if an offside, but if an offsides happens like 10 seconds before a goal, yeah, it was part of the goal. It led to the goal. Otherwise, if they missed the offsides earlier, big deal. Like they miss an offsides. But do we have to change this whole thing? Do we have to change everyone's thinking? That, you can make it the plane, whatever you want to make it. But yeah, really, I mean, what's worse? Let me ask you what's worse. What's worse? A goal being scored as a result of an offside or a goal being scored as a result as a hand pass? I'm going to say the hand pass is worse because oh, way worse. even non hockey fans knew something was wrong with that. I, I agree right. with that. And it's, but, it, but mainly because it, cause it, cause of when it happened in relation to the goal, like it's directly yeah. correlated to the goal. Like if a guy hit, if a guy took a high, if a guy's high stick to pass down to, to a guy who scored that, you know, and he missed the high stick, it's the same kind of situation. It's an obvious thing that directly leads to that. But the weird yeah. thing, the weird thing with all this is that we have this like other concept that is so flawed in terms of the direct taking motion. Or remember a couple years ago, Colin Wilson on Nashville head butted a headed a goal in. Do you remember that play? He had he like he it was against I forget who it was against but he jumps up and he heads the headed the puck when it was up in the air he headed it into the net and they said no goal you and yet no one had any idea what to do with that because the rule there's no rule that says you can't directly head a head a puck into the goal but then so they went back and they said oh it, basically they interpreted the rule of like any direct motion like direct kicking motion not just direct but direct body motion that doesn't involve a stick is is a foul that's what they were saying right so. But yet, you know, so they're saying that you can't on purpose score with something beside your stick. But at the same time, you can also you can go in front of the net and on purpose have a puck deflect off of your body somehow, or you can on purpose redirect a puck with your skate. You can on purpose read. You can you know. So we do a, we already do on purpose things without our sticks. So the whole whole hockey. You know, I get that you shouldn't be able to. I get the whole direct handing in puck in the net or direct kicking the puck in the net or direct heading the puck in the net is wrong but we really that's a weird line too like the whole concept of that is a strange line as well because i mean redirecting the puck you know we've seen guys redirect with their skate you know blade or whatever that's like what's the difference you know like to yeah, me I, I do want to answer some things in the chat room too like yeah. i think it was mark that said hey why don't the nhl and the nhlpa huddle up and and now make this you know reviewable and it's like they're not going to do that a it looks bad enough for what happened now. It'll look 
10 times bad if they all of a sudden change the rule in midstream. So no, no league would ever do that because they're not going to do that. It'll communicate a lack of, a lack of uh, confidence in the officials. But you know, the thing right. is, if you notice that some of the, some of the chatter on Twitter last night, I'm not talking about fans. I'm talking like Marty San Louis coming out or, or Rod Brindamore this morning in Carolina when asked a question about whether video review should be expanded. And he says, yeah, let's try to get things right. I mean, that was basically, paraphrasing. Yeah. you know, I, and that's what I'm saying. Honestly, you know, this is something that should have been reviewed, but I'm not saying we should expand review to plays that should be called uh, by by the officials. I'm saying as a coverall, you get two reviews on anything. If you think that that was a non-call or that a call that should have been blown dead, we can review that. And if it was a hand pass, then it would have been blown. It would have been blown dead. So then they would have reversed it. You know, and I and I did feel for Bennington who went up to the refs like with his hands like this, like, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Well, did you did you see Braden Shen almost break the glass? He took yeah. a yeah. at the glass. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then the fact is that players, I mean I wish I knew what the one referee said to Bennington, like as he was going off the ice there, because the one referee almost looked like I said to my wife, it looks like he's admitting that we screwed up and it's not reviewable to Bennington. And yeah. Bennington Bennington just turned like dejected at that point. Like you know, he was like, ah, you know, that kind of thing. Because you know, and I'm 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 assuming that's what he did. Because refs are that way; they will be honest about it. They're not; they they know they, they don't want to they don't want to be the part of this like this. And that's why that's why this we have the technology to put somebody upstairs with an instant replay right away who can see this immediately before rep before a coach can even decide to challenge it. We should know what the answer is. We I should be X. Sorry, I do want to let people know I'm writing a mini series, the the hand pass tale. And I'm trying to sell that now. I'm going to have Elizabeth Moss star in it, and she'll be the wife of Jordan Bennington. And this could be really good. So just stay tuned. Been a, I should use that as my blog title. That's a great blog title. Are they going to get? Are they going to get the, the everybody else from the West Wing? Because she was on the West Wing too. Yeah. yeah. But Bill C says, "Yeah, the puck in the net, but the puck that hit the net, the Panarin score in the Boston. Yeah, that that to me, that's within that's within five seconds, you know, of the goal scoring, or whatever. That would have been caught, like it would have been found. I don't know if you remember back when, uh, when review was first thought about to being used, and and the very beginning of it, there was a rule where." If something happened like it was a goal and it wasn't called, even if it was going to be three minutes later, at a stoppage of play, they'd review it. And if it was the case, they would award the goal, right? Well, they do, and they see, that's still in the books. That's still in the and books. that's still in the books. So why can't they do that for a yeah, but, Okay, and I know replay was not in place at that point. But remember, remember, and I don't know if you were at that game, Ak, but you remember the John LeClaire no goal goal? Oh, I was definitely at that game. And I, I mean, that was before replay and, and it wasn't an option. And that, yeah. that, right. And, and, and Darcy Regeer apparently was in the press box and banging on the door of the, of oh, it was crazy. I mean, I was, I, my, my seats, I was with my mom and we were sitting 10 rows behind the net where John LeClaire scored that goal. And so where I'm where I am, I'm directly behind. I see Hashik there, and I see clear as day that Hashik has the post and clear as day that the puck goes into the side. Um, right. And we're all freaking out because they're calling it a goal. And we know that at that point, there was no instant replay review. But, yeah, you know, they put the replay up on, those, up on the board still, and everybody saw that it went in the side of the net. Things like this are always going to happen, you know, I mean, but I'm not, I am, and I'm not saying that Toronto should constantly be reviewing every, anything, Thomas. Like he says, the X idea of having Toronto constantly review, reviewing the ice would work um, without having the savage play. It's, it can't be Toronto. It's got to be right there. It's got to be somebody in the building. 
But I, I my my point is, Ak, is that you open up these officials to crit criticism and pressure from from the local teams. And that, that's why they have it in Toronto. They're sequestered away from any kind of outside influence. I think that's what that's, that's come on. The ref, I mean, the referees are they're already in the building. I mean, the, the referees that's what they do with all the time. I mean, that, that's a really lame thing. Well, then, okay, take one of the referees off the ice and put them in the press box. But I think you're still going to keep you're still going to keep Toronto there as a mechanism. You can have Toronto if like the referees not if the referees can't agree on something. Right. But you really don't need Toronto anymore. I mean, to me, like you just don't you simply don't need it. Like if it what the the rule now that, that you're talking about, Russ, I think that where they can stop play is if if a puck goes in the net yeah. and continues on, they can stop play. But here's something else that occurred to me the other night. Okay, so check this out. I'm thinking about this. So I'm watching the game and there was like I forget which game it was. It was the Carolina game against Boston. Carolina's like down by one, they're trying to score. Yeah. And there's a play with about 45 seconds left that I think is probably offsides on Carolina. The Carolina brings it in the zone. It feels like it was slightly offsides, and the play continues. Boom, boom, boom. They're, they're trying to score. They're, they've got their goalie out. And I'm th and about 25 seconds goes off the clock. So now we're at we're, we're 45 seconds to 20 seconds. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know what? So say Carolina scores here with 20 seconds to go. And then it's deemed that the play was offsides with 40 second, 45 seconds to go when the play happened. That twenty-five seconds doesn't come back on the clock. So think about what happens there with Carolina. So if you're if 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 you're the Bruins and you think they're offsides, it behooves you to not stop the the, the longer it goes before they score the goal, the better. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. You know, it's a weird thing because that would really suck. Like this whole offsides thing will be thrown into such a tizzy if that ever happens. Where like you know. Like, wait, so the play was the whole thing? The last 25 seconds didn't matter no matter what because it was offsides, and yet that 25 seconds isn't put back on the clock? You know what? I want, I'll want. i tell you what I want to have happen from now on. When there's a blown call, I want the referee to go into the penalty box. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that would be good. I mean, I, and again, you know, people so, so, so in the chat room, they're saying, you know, it's a slippery slope. Um, you know, so Lincoln, and Lincoln um, who was once on the show, great guy, Says in the says in the chat room, um, is is it not a slippery slope to eventually having plays stop because they didn't make a hooking call? And it is. That's why I don't believe penalties should be reviewable at all. Like I and, think penalties should not be reviewable. I think penalties are where you have to take the human factor of refereeing into account. Can can uh, can the referee get a, a Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the in the in the penalty box? <laughs> uh, let me let me just let me just touch on this because it obviously gets obscured because of the goal that shouldn't have counted, but. I mean, the double whammy here is that St. Louis, I think after the early part of the second period, dominated that game. Um, and San Jose scores that goal, the Couture goal, less than a minute left in regulation. That was a game that St. Louis had to win, should have won, and didn't. And now I'm wondering about the mental and emotional ramifications of losing a game that you should have won. That's something that can – you know, destroy teams that can't. No, it's a tough. It's a really tough loss for the Blues. Um, you know, because uh, the Sharks didn't play a good game. Um, they really didn't. For the most of that game, the Sharks were not. Were not. After the first them. period, you're right. I think they. I mean, they, they, they really weren't. Yeah. The whole the first ten minutes of the first period, the Sharks weren't good. I mean, the Sharks weren't good. Were good for like a brief period of that game, um, but for the most part, the Blues were better. Um, and Jones made some really big saves down the stretch. Well, big saves down the stretch. Well, right, and I and, I, and it's funny thing is like I I was joking, but I, on the fourth goal I was serious. I thought Jones 
it was a bad goal. That's fine. I mean, but but but, but you know the other ones. The the, the one the one uh, uh, Peron goal was top corner. The other there was another one that was that was roofed. I mean, you know, nobody can stop those goals. Those are those are impossible to stop. The Tarasenko uh, goal was one of the great goals of the playoffs. By the way, that was an amazing goal. Yeah, an incredible because shot. It, it just to with a head of steam with no hesitation to be able to shoot it with that kind of force. Right up to the top. There's nothing a goalie can do. I don't even know. I, I don't even think that you know Jones no, saw absolutely nothing. And that that quick of a release, like coming down the wing like that. Oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. It was like Mark Messier, Glenn Anderson esque. Yeah. You know, that's it was why just you don't trade that guy. When people were like, "Oh, trade," what about trading Tarasenko? He definitely does. I mean, he hasn't shown up for a lot of this series as well. So it's like I know he's but only scored only on the power play. Carlson just got his first goal last night in like a thousand games. Oh yeah, no, there's no. I mean, yeah, there's. Yeah, I mean, had a good no, game. Yeah, and I, I, right. I have to, I have to say because I said it during during the game, there were instances in the second and early third period where Carlson was horrific in his own in his own zone. He gave away gave away the puck a couple times really badly. I mean, all is forgiven because he scored the overtime winner, yeah. but. You know, it's all race. Oh, I agree. I mean that, but that is, you know, Carlson's game to a degree. Has always never been like the most incredible, stable influence in his own zone. Right. He, and he's gotten worse as he's gotten older, for sure. But um, the other thing, here's another thing I want to bring up that I think, and and Philly Five O is bringing it up, and that was my next thing on my notes here. I swear he's bringing it up in the Philly chat. Five O is a troublemaker, but go ahead. Right, but he he he's a troublemaker, but perhaps I don't know. But anyway, he, he or she is a troublemaker. He or she is a troublemaker. Yeah, we just assume it's a he because we don't know if any women watch the show at all. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, we'd love for that if they did. Um, so he says Peter Angelo iced the puck two times to give the Sharks hope, and that is absolutely a hundred percent true. And I am so sick. This this is this is like to me this is um, you know people and you know and the whole like concept of computer imaging and, and like the, the the running computer simulations it shows that now we should no longer get over the blue over the center line we should just take a shot at the net like that that's what that's that's what people are being told no, that's wrong no it's 100 percent wrong but the, no but but there are people who you know in the, the, with their dianetics and everything like that, yeah saying, that are saying they're that's wrong, what you're wrong too because oh, l ron hubbard on the show no no but what what they should do, and easier said than done, because I'm not on the ice and they are, is and everybody has, everybody does the lob pass now. Everybody, right. you know, that's that that's what players should do when it. Yeah, comes I don't understand why they don't do it. Because then yeah. you're icing the puck. You're you're throwing it a, a deep a deep pass. Yeah, Boria Salming, Boria Salming play. Yeah, you know yeah well, because you know, the idea is you want to take as many ticks off the clock as you can. Right. And if you're taking a shot, you're shooting it with fairly good speed. You've only wasted three seconds, you know. Like it but didn't the crazy really thing. Yeah, and the crazy thing about this is, this people are doing this now when icing the puck allows the other team to change, you know, and you not to as well. So not only not only has this whole thinking changed that you should now just take a shot at the net, but you're it really benefits you way less than it used to. Like it used to yeah. be that you could okay take a shot at it because you, at least you get a break, right? You know, yeah, so it's crazy that this is the way people are going. I mean, and it's it's, but uh, you're seeing it constantly. And some coaches won't let it happen. Like, um, I think Columbus is one. Like Tortorella is like, is you'll get benched if you do that. But the but for whatever reason, man, the Blues team do not care because I've noticed in every series that they've been in, they've that Peter Angelo will ice the puck as many times as he can, literally yeah. on you know as many opportunities as he has. And last night it killed him twice. I mean, 
it destroyed him twice. And and Logan Couture after the game said he was really thankful because he says I was really tired. And I love the getting those icings. They're just like they really are a breather, you know. And eventually Couture gets the game and it gets the gets gets the game tire. Which you know at the end of the day, no matter what you want to say about the calls, the Blues blew it. You know they did blow it at the end of the at the end of uh, regulation. They right. should have won. Want to see a game decided that way? If 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 look, and San Jose could have scored three seconds after that if yeah. they had, you know called that they could have won a face off and scored. But I think we'd all be better with that. It was a very important deciding sort of game. Right. That yeah. went, that was ended on a ref's call, and it's exactly what you don't want in in a big time conference final. It's, yeah, no matter what the sport. And that's why that's why my and then we'll we'll move off of this. I'm I don't bang it, but that, that's why my point is that we need to do it like this, and not just like okay, now we're to review hand passes. It's got to be something that is just oh. anything that happens that's wrong right. within a certain period of time is just wrong, and right. we'll fix that. And then, because right. it, it's not going to go from like we're reviewing offsides because of the Duchesne thing. Now we're going to review this because of the other thing. But I don't want to do home passes. But there has to be, but there has to be a limit, is what I'm saying. I think we're on the same page. Everything is done, Mike. You can do it quick enough. You can definitely do it quick right. enough if you have if you have pairs. Right, but that's the problem. I don't think it can be quick enough. And they they proved they, like they, they, they proved that review. There was a review uh, early in the playoffs that was five minutes long. That is going to happen sometimes, okay? And there's going to be instances like that where you're going to, but for every, if you just do every goal instantly, because what happens now? A guy scores, yay, cheering, everything's happening. They're, they're skating around, they, they slap the, you know, and now, and then the coach is looking before he sends his guys yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this is going on now. So you take that element out of it all it's together. Every sport, it's every sport, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I know, but, you, but you, you can easily review every goal within, if you just, if you're only reviewing, Within a certain period of time before the goal score, okay. you can easily review it. Or if you're reviewing, the problem is these videotape machines are so big, and you have to keep rewinding these videotapes that it takes a lot of time. <laughs> now, when, the, when the new Betamax comes out next year, okay. uh, we have like you know a mouse and a bar, and we move the bar back and forth like we do on here. It's really crazy simple to make this work. And and that's why that's that's the way the NHL has to go with it. Not to try to like not not the not the whack a mole. Let's let's review high sticks. Let's review this. Let's review that. Actually, everything. I, I'm going to go one better. I forget which game it was. It was one of the game sevens where the refs just literally. Oh no! You realize it was in the NBA. Um, the Sixers game, the game seven, the referees basically didn't call anything. They let everything yeah. go. Guys were getting pushed. Guys were walking. Guys were. They were just calling the the most brutal of fouls, right? I would rather yeah. have that than what happened yesterday. I agree. I, I know. Agree. Bill, the, rest the problem with that though is Bill C would be crying, and he'd be if it was a Bruins game, he'd be calling every infraction. And a couple of guys on Twitter would be like, "Well, did you see that? They didn't even out. And did you see that?" But you know what? End of the day, I'd rather him call nothing. Swallow the whistle. Now, the funniest thing now to me is the conspiracy theories about the Sharks now, like on the internet. I know, I know. Um, it was like everyone who has been a Sharks fan for their lives, like for the lifeless Sharks, and I have been because when they first started, my wife was living out there. Anyone who has been around the Sharks knows that there is no way that there's a conspiracy theory that's benefiting the Sharks in the NHL. I understand that they're getting, they're getting a ton of breaks with these calls, but they're not. And even though I actually admit that I put money down on the Sharks before the year, so I'm thrilled about all this, I can tell you that, no, there's no way. No. Not to, it's not to get Joe Thornton to stay on the cup. It's not to get Joe Thornton to play against the Bruins. That's really not that big of a story. They're not really that interested in that. It's not happening. 
a uh, couple little bits of news uh, coming out of Dallas, and we can maybe talk some rumors and then the Boston Carolina. Uh, Essa Lindell, one of their better young defensemen, signed a six-year contract extension for $5.8 million. And as Russ and I were talking before the before the show, before he went live, uh, Lindell was playing 30 minutes a night during the playoffs. So he's their best penalty yeah. killer, and he scores, and he gets points. He brings the puck up the ice. Give him the money. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and, they, they had, and they had salary opening up because Mathot's contract was expiring, so he's no longer in the picture. Um, they've already got they already got Klingberg locked up long term. Heiskanen's on his ELC, so locking up Lindell was is made made a lot of sense. The other the other news was, and Pierre LeBron wrote about uh, Jason Spezza uh, in the Athletic uh, today that Spezza is likely not coming back with uh, the stars. He was on the last year of his contract making over 7 million <laughs> and that, uh, but he's 36 years old, but he still wants to play. So there are possible opportunities out there for a team looking for a veteran depth center. And uh, I know that in the article, he brought up Ottawa, which it would seem to be a waste because they're they're Maybe they need veteran leadership, but they're not going anywhere and they're not going to spend any money. Um, there was some, yeah, but I've heard, I've heard he might, we he might want to go there. Um, I've maybe, heard that maybe, but I've, I've also heard, and, and I heard this last year and, and that was brought up in a, in a Twitter conversation with, with LeBron, uh, about Toronto because from the Toronto area. And, um, I had heard last year that if they had not won the Devara sweepstakes, one of the avenues they may have gone would have been to trade for Spezza if, if Dallas would have retained a significant chunk of their salary. And that made, that made sense because they were looking to replace Bozak and then Tavares signed and that didn't make any sense, but their depth up the middle, especially if they trade Kadri is questionable. I'm not saying that that's a long-term fix. It's a, it would be a one-year patchwork. And even if they don't trade Kadri, um, having Spezza as a fourth line center, if they could get him to take a cheap contract, that might be interesting for the Leafs. You know what? Hey, Here's the funny thing, Mike. Even at his age, you'd be better off signing Matt Cullen. He has a lot of years, Jason Spezza yeah. does, even at the age of 40, 41, 42. Like Spezza says. You're, you're breaking up a little rest. You're breaking up a little rest. Internet okay. issues. Hey, say that again. Hey, log in, log in. Who are you talking about? Cullen, Matt Cullen. The Leafs would be better off signing Cullen because the last three years – he had way more goals. Actually, he's had 11, 11, and I think nine. Spets has had like four and six. And even though he's older, Matt Cullen is actually more suited for this league than Jason Spets at this point. You may, you may be right, and that might be the uh, direction that they go, although they, they really don't have any tie to Cullen in terms of usually he goes to places he has a previous tie to. But the the overall theme, and just I'll, I'll just say, is Freddie Gauthier is horrible as a number four center, and they need to upgrade there, and they probably will. But anyway. Yeah. Um, any, go ahead, sir. We're going to get on to some rumors in a second. I just want to first um, – we'll touch on tonight, you know, because um, we have the sure. Bruins – Bruins, Hurricanes. I know that it's funny how like you know everyone's like ah oh, you know there's no way and, and you know I, there's always a way and 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 you know even if Carolina wins tonight you know I I don't think they're gonna win the series but they could you know and the bottom line is I still think that we have to I still I expected you know a really strong game tonight and I you know I also want to throw a little bit of a shout out to the Carolina fans who were pretty amazing and they were pretty amazing in the last game too even though you know they've been really 
I mean, that building is loud. Um, I, you know, I, I lived through that building in the Stanley Cup. That building is amazing. Um, they stand the entire time, which is like a tradition that goes back to like North Carolina basketball, I think, where, you know, you, they, they will stand they the entire time. First basket. Usually. Yeah, they, they stand the entire time, though. I mean, it's made, you'll see the bottom bowl of that building. When I was there for the Stanley Cup final games, they stood, the entire building stood the entire game, um, which I had never, never seen before ever. At the Vegas betting line, like I saw Vegas Insider and I saw a few others. Boston is a minus 120. Yeah. Can, they, can Carolina win a game? Yes. Can they win the series? Not a chance. I mean, they are a minus 120. There's nobody in Vegas that believes Carolina will win this game. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is a, I mean, this, all the money is going to Boston. You know, that, you know, that, you know, the Boston people are throwing money at this. There's not a whole lot of people put, put, betting on Carolina. So they got to do that. I mean, I, but I don't think it's, I, I don't think this is a real soccer bet. I would not bet this game in a million years. I wouldn't bet I think the game this, at all. I agree with you. Yeah, this is like, this is, there's no way that this is, a, this is not a given. And, you know, no, it's not. All. No. Um, you know, in Boston, I mean, it's it's, diff it's it's very different too. When a team tries to close a team out on the road in sweeps versus closing them out at home in sweeps, that's a big deal right. too. Because for the Bruins, they're going back to Boston no matter what happens. You know, like it's not like it's not like they have to go to Carolina for Game Five. Right. So they're going back to Boston after this game, whether they win or lose. That's what right. the Bruins are going to do. So that that also plays into the mindset of players because players definitely want to be home and they don't want to go out again. And that's something that you know. I think when you're trying to close a sweep on the road, it's harder, way harder. I'm just, wonder, I'm just wondering if, uh, if Carolina wins, whether Thomas Dundon will be uh, sending the team economy or first class. <laughs> the weird, it's funny you say that because the weird thing about there is a there is a small rumbling out there that there could be a lot of hell to pay at the end of the Carolina season. That there's a lot of people that are still very upset about Dundon and the way he's done things. In within the organization, players and such like that that are playing right now, and everything's fine oh, because I, I they're winning. Yeah. But when this is over, when this is over, there could be another foot, that, another foot that falls here. You know, like I could, you really could see it happening. I, another I can't, I can't, I can't remember who it was, but there's there's talk about, you know, um, Waddell either moving up to team president or or you know changes in changes in the organizational staff, changes in the the media that covers the team. I mean, it's just stuff like that and it's like you know honestly when your team has had such a success you shouldn't be out there with a with a calculator or an abacus counting dollars and cents but this is what this guy does so that's why i think he's not exactly popular in this league yeah yeah no it, it, it's it's it there's a lot of players and a lot of people in that organization i mean all the way up to waddell i've been told that are like you know, that are not thrilled about a lot of stuff that i mean waddell does not want to be the general manager of that team right um and they haven't, they, but they're unwilling to put money out. I mean, you would think especially, I mean, because they made all this extra money with all these extra playoff games that they should well, pay for freaking. I heard some breaking news. Go, go ahead, Russ. Uh, Jim Schoenfeld has stepped down from his spot as senior VP and assistant GM of the Rangers. That's good news for the Rangers. No yeah. offense to Schoenfeld, but. And that that's that's basically a signal that the old boys network the say the, the say their old boys network is ending because and John ended. Davidson is probably heading your way. He yeah. could be heading Buffalo way. He could be. No, I've heard uh, no. JD with Buffalo. I've heard JD with. I've heard, I've heard all different. I've heard no, no, JD will go to the Rangers. But the idea of this is the problem is for many years Schoenfeld used to be the guy where they would ask him, "Hey, this guy in Hartford is he ready?" 
and he didn't always get it right. Matter of fact, I think he got it wrong more than he got it right. Well, the, and there were guys that were basically looked over, like Marsh or so. Like we can go through a whole list. Right. The one, the one thing that is scary, Ak, is that we know that Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula are very favorable to the Sabres alumni. So, you know, that's it's possible that they could bring in Schoenfeld, but I, I'm not sure if Jason Botterill has the pull to prevent that from happening. The other move they should make here that would really be a good one for them is bring back Larry Quinn. Oh, my God. Larry, no, I'm serious. I, we, I, we, I, we, want, we really want big nets. Like soccer. No, no, no. Forget the net thing. Larry Quinn was a really was a really solid yeah. saber guy. Like and 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 really made a lot of and was responsible for a lot of good things that happened there. Yeah, I, I, really I, I I'll grant that, but I mean, I, he really was. And 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 you know that when he got when, the way he kind of got screwed really really rubbed a lot of people wrong around the whole league. So yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if he would even go back there, but you know, that I, would be something I, I, don't, I I'm going out on a limb. I don't think the Pagulas would want him back. Yeah, which is really weird because I mean he, he actually is there's nothing, you know, I don't know what Larry Quinn did to wrong them, but he was he was one of the he was one of the few people that could actually that actually could get things done in Buffalo and had a real had to respect him. Yeah, but the, 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 I mean, there's a there's a long laundry list of, of people that they have brought in that are no longer in the organization. Ted Black, Russ Brandon. I mean, it's you know, yeah. that that's just part of the course. And, and and that's just the Sabres we're talking about. The Bills, it's the the list is lengthy. So Well, yeah, there's a lot of people, but Quinn's from the organization before. Like he was Right. And, that's, and, that's, and that's the reason why he was part of the Galasano organization and not, and you know, yeah, we should, we should talk about McTavish going to locomotive and the KHL yeah. is actually good for the Oilers too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and that's also a sign that Ken Holland is going to clean house. It's a good <laughs> sign because McTavish had too much, too much pull for a guy that, and look, I think he's a decent hockey guy, but there's the right spot for him, yeah. and he always seemed to have way too much pull with decisions that were made with that team. Right, and I think it's good that they're going to start making them without him. And one of the names brought up in Carolina in terms of a GM, if Waddell goes back up to team president, at least it was mentioned uh, by uh, by Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman uh, on their podcast last week, was Eric Tulski, who's the analytics guy in Carolina, that he would be kicked up to GM. Right, and that's that, but that's the direction that that you know that Dundon wants, and that you know the, then they would be the poster child, like Florida was with their analytics group, and if they fail, then that happens. Oh, then you know what is going on is that Dundon just wants to be the GM of the team. Like right. that, well, that, that, there's two things. There's two things. That's one of them, and then the other one is usually if a team is going heavy analytics, they're trying to save money. They're trying to find bargains. Right. They're definitely saving money and they're and they're not because they're not bringing it's not a hockey. You know, they, you need somebody who knows this sport and for what it you know, for all it is, there's a whole culture to this sport like that, you know, and it, it goes on and there's a language that's spoken in this sport among teams. And, and it's weird. It, it took us a while. I mean, I know it took me a while. Russ, I don't know. But, you know, and it just took me a while to like when I was going to these NHL events to learn the way these things work. But when, oh, you, when yeah. you finally yeah, do, yeah, right, there's a culture and. You know, you that's one of the reasons that some of these guys who get hired over and over again are successful because they get that language. And yeah. that's it's usually important. It's it, it, you can't be underplayed. You know, like I, yeah. I don't think I don't think people were fair to Dundon all the time. You know, like if you own a team, yeah, sure, you're allowed to do what you want to with the team. But 
I, there's definitely, you should definitely at least be smart enough to know that you need to communicate with people. Right. You know, you need, and if you want to communicate with, if you want to communicate with the rest of the league, when you communicate with the NHL office, you need, you need a translator. And some yeah. of these guys with more experience have that ability to translate what's going on. Yeah, you would think he would want more layers, not less. Right. 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 I think that that's, I wonder how much of this is like mean, Tavish going to the KHL. It's really curious. You know, like, is this something that like Holland said, you know, you should probably go to the KHL type thing right. or. I think his, I think his future wasn't guaranteed in Edmonton other than, you know, I mean, he's yeah. been, I've seen him in NHL press boxes. He's been scouting oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Eastern Canada or, or in Western New York, you know, been Sabres games, been at Leaf games. So, you know, he's part of the, but they're going to revamp the entire organization. I mean, I'm sure Daryl Cates basically gave Ken Holland can't carte blanche to say, I want you to eviscerate this team and start over. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, um, yeah, I really wonder how it's going to play out. Hmm. It's a really curious thing because, I, you know, I mean, still to this day, my one of my favorite Stanley Cup finals to cover was Edmonton, Carolina, when you had McTavish and Laviolette oh, right. at, their, at their best. They were just, they yeah. were great after game conferences. Yeah, nobody was better than UC Markin and nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Oh, my gosh. The, the UC marketing thing was the craziest thing. I mean, people forget people forget that Edmonton really got there on the back of Dwayne Rolison. I know. Who got hurt. And didn't play at all in the Stanley Cup final, right? Um, Ty Conklin. Oh yeah, it was it was Ty Conklin and UC Markkinen who you know and and you know they still took that to seven games. I mean Edmonton really probably wins that if if Rollison's healthy. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. They really could have. That was a big factor, but that was a crazy series. But but at <laughs> any rate, this is, yeah. this is good that some of these organizations are moving on from these guys because again. Sometimes you can hang around an organization too long, be too comfortable, and and not make the right decisions. Yeah, I've never seen that before here, Russ. Um, well, well, I'll, I'll give you another one. Too many names. I'll give you another names, numbers, retired numbers, players' names. Anyway, mm -hmm. I'll give you another one um, that might come to fruition because it, it it was talked about last year and it didn't happen because he still had a year left in his contract. Um, Ron Francis's contract with Carolina expires at the end of June. Um, there was talk about him, uh, at least have, uh, uh, Ottawa having interest in him as their team president, and nothing came to fruition on that one. He is close to Kyle Dubas. Uh, he's got roots in Sault Ste. Marie, which is always a key with Kyle Dubas. I would not be surprised with – Shanahan signing a six-year deal as their team president that they bring on another a layer of say a senior advisor because it's really it's Brandon Pridham it's um, Lawrence Gilman who might be a GM candidate for somebody like Seattle and and Dubas so I think and they've had other other layers before you know they they lost it when Lou went to the Islanders I wouldn't doubt that there's a possibility Francis would be part of the management team in Toronto in this era you can't have too many skilled critical thinkers if you have those guys yeah those are the guys you want they really are it really is true just think about the job that Ron Francis has done yeah you might bitch if you're a Carolina fan, that he wouldn't pull the trigger on a trade, and you might have the same gripes as Ron Hextall, but you're watching his team on the ice. Now, yeah. you know, it, it, that might be that might be too low of a position for Francis because he could be bucking for the the Seattle GM job. He he should be getting a lot of credit for. Maybe he doesn't want to be a GM anymore. We don't right. know. 
Right, and that, but and that's the thing. I mean, if you're a GM of a, an expansion team, that's a whole different ball of wax. Too. It is like, a whole different thing too. And, I mean, he could he could come yeah. in as an, he could, he could come in as an advisor like Dean Lombardi is in Philadelphia, and for sure. And just be that for a year or two and to sort of regain what he wants, you know, like live a life or something like that. And then maybe go back to being a GM. But I, I think it's a possibility. Now, those I, advisor jobs are usually just ways of keeping guys fresh, you know, like keeping guys right. like they'll take that job just so they can stay in hockey for a while. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're usually not like and I think Francis is probably bigger than that. I think Francis, you can probably get like Lombardi. That made sense. But I think with Francis, yeah. it's like. Like, and I think that you no know, two names. I'll throw two rumors out to you really quickly before we get out of here today. Um, right. And uh, those are the names of Jordan Everly and Matt Zuccarella. Um, and where I think we you know what I've heard so far. I want to talk to you about the Rangers and, and Zuccarella. Is there any chance for us that that happens? I think there's a 15% chance. I do. Yeah, like small. Like I have it at 20, so it's about yeah. the same thing. Um, but one team that I and I know the stars don't want to bring him back. They they yeah. do want to bring him back. And you know, whenever yeah, there's they, no when, question it, but he's hedging it already. He is. He is, definitely. But here's another place that we might pay him a ton of money, and that is Edmonton. This is what I've heard. Um, yeah, I think he's a good fit there. I said that last year. Yeah, yeah. but they don't have I a ton of the playoffs, actually. But they don't have they don't have a ton of money they don't have a ton money. of money now. But um, Right, unless Holland starts to clean up and move some magical things around there and it creates some space. Um, and I think that he's looking for this is the kind of player that Holland is definitely looking for, you know, like um, two other places. Uh, so right now I, on the rumor chart, I have him at 40% to Dallas, 20% to Edmonton, 20% to New York, to, to the Rangers, and 10% to Florida and 10% to LA. The other two teams I heard, but um, Florida definitely has an interest in a lot of people. Florida is going to be very active. Um, and Zuccarello is definitely one of them. And LA, I think, is another good fit for him too. But as this plays out here, I, I I'm looking towards Edmonton. Can I, I can I just quick ask this question and see what either of you think? Do you think there is any NHL team or any NHL general manager that if Ken Holland calls calls them and says, I will eat 50% of Milan Lucic's salary, would you take Lucic at three million dollars? Nope. I do. I think, I think there are I think there are people who will. I think I actually think Boston would. Oh, I don't think Boston would at all. I don't. No, they part of the civil war that went on in Boston between Chiarelli. Correct. And remember, he went with Chiarelli. Yeah. Um, so he went to Edmonton with Chiarelli. There's a that's a, that's the. So, uh, I'll tell you who could think that's about not it. Not a Don Sweeney move. That's why he got Coyle, a younger version of of Lucic. Who can skate? Who could do it would be New Jersey. New Jersey well, yeah, could got, do it. They got tons of cap space. They could eat the sun. And then they could use they could use some they could use a, some of some rough toughness like him. He would actually be a really good fit for the Devils at a at a, at a reduced rate. I think that would help him help him get to the cap floor for a couple of years. Right. No. right. That, that's, but I, and that's, so I think that's that's one team. And I think there's other teams too. Like I think um, I still think about maybe a little bit more. Uh, the, yeah. But New Jersey comes across instantly in my head. Um, beyond that, maybe Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa, because Ottawa might, Ottawa's got to do some things to, you know, some interesting things. Lucic is at least the name. They've got to sell tickets up there. Lucic is at least. Yeah. He wants to, you know, be a fighter. Yeah. He's entertaining to have, you know, he's entertaining to have in the building. He's entertaining to have around the team. Well, so maybe, but maybe Ottawa. Um, trade him for Marion Gabarik. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the other, the other name I ha I wanted to talk about was Jordan Eberle. Okay. Uh, who we talked about yesterday a little bit. Um, you guys don't think he's going back to the Islanders. Nope. It's it's surprising how good a season Everly had. 
Um, you know, yeah, it was more second half driven though. Yes, it was. But he, at the end of the day, when you look at his stats, you're like, wow, Jordan Everly was that good this year. It really, I know. But you would say the same thing about JVR. Would you say JVR had a good season because? And you look at his goal total. I would say no. Yeah, I, I think Aberl. I think Everly is in I that because I saw him all the time. But sometimes these stats, like to people who don't see him day in and day out, they just look at the numbers. That's true. I think Eberly is in that middle ground because remember, I think what is he, Russ? Twenty eight. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Okay. I think he's in that middle ground. Like, and Wayne Simmons is a few years older, but there are going to be veteran guys out there who are coming off okay or so-so years. It would be Simmons, there's big question marks because he, I think he played terribly in Nashville, didn't do anything in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. um, I think these are veterans who are going to have to take like a, a two-year deal for mid-money. They're not going to get a long-term deal, and they're too good to take one-year deals. I think Eberle is in, in that group. I think Simmons is in that group. I, I do want to like put the brakes on like Cam Young is saying, Eberle to the Rangers. The Rangers don't need Jordan Eberle. They no. don't. No. Eberle uh, could, could be a good fit for a team that is looking for scoring that has centers. Yeah. I've written about this. You guys probably saw it, but I may, may have not seen it because I know you don't read anything I write. But um, – <laughs> I knew there is one team that is targeting Jordan Everly, I've been told, as their number one priority, which I was kind of surprised. Well, I'm sure. I mean, there's always somebody that – That team would be Montreal. Okay. And uh, I I think it makes sense for Montreal to get Jordan Everly. Um, if, and it's something, it's something I've always liked. I mean, Montreal has always liked Jordan Everly. My gosh, I can't remember how many rumors I've written about Jordan Everly with Montreal over the years, but it's if, crazy. If, if the price point is right. That's the thing. It's like if 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 the price is that's right, right. That's, that's always true, right? I mean, that's always right, the case. But I'm but I'm talking like they're you know Montreal is not because Montreal is, has some has cap space and they need to add offense so that 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 fits. But if you're talking about Jordan Everly signing a five year deal for five million bucks, that's not happening. I'm saying if if he'll take short a short term deal for reasonable money, I could see Montreal being interested. I could see a number of teams being interested if he's okay, looking. It's not like he's not going to get taken. He's just right. not going to get the salary he probably thinks he would have gotten two years ago. Right. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have to be flexible with his demands, like Eric Stahl was after Carolina and with the Rangers. Eric Stahl was the one of the best contracts signed when Minnesota signed him for what was it three years at three 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 million. Yeah. And he, you know, he scored forty goals. Teams in this cap era are looking for players like that. They can't, they, yeah. they can't overpay. Like Toronto can't overpay. Winnipeg can't overpay. Tampa can't overpay. And they would like to bring in a veteran guy. But if they get them for a reasonable salary, then you're talking turkey. All right, I think Everly gets six, gets to six million per year. Which I think, I, which I would never have thought before the beginning I would of the never year. Pay him six, but no he might. I would say I would say three years at four million. He's yeah. getting six million now. Doesn't matter. Remember, he signed the initial contract. So that contract has was a was a boat anchor. That's why. That's why. That's why Edmonton. It was. It was, and that's why I got traded on stuff. But I don't. But he had coming off of coming off of his best season. So it's he's like not, you know. he's not going to make the same amount of money he made on that deal with Edmonton. But he wasn't consistent, Eck. And again. Teams yeah. know they're going to look at consistency and they're going to say, all right, yeah, he did have a nice finish to that year. He still didn't score 20 goals. So, like, you know, you're talking about him like it's a great year. He had 37 points. Like, he had a better playoff than he did a regular season. Right. He, 
He had five game winning goals in his MO, though. And that, that, that's what's the interesting thing about Jordan Everly is that, you know, that he is a clutch playoff type guy. So, yeah, but he's not enough to get six million. Right. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, he might. I don't know. Probably not. I mean, I'm going to agree with you on this one, but I think that it is it, that there definitely is talk out there that he's going to get a lot more than people think. And, I, and, and Montreal, honestly, really, Montreal really has their eyes on him. So honestly, it might be better. It might be more beneficial and better for him to bet on himself to take a one-year deal in a good scenario where he could score. Like sort of like I mean, Jeff Skinner got traded, but Jeff Skinner has set him up for set himself up for a big contract. Yeah. Because he went to Buffalo, he scored 40 goals. If Everly went to the right scenario, say he signed a one-year deal with the, with the Blackhawks and played with Kane and Taves, something like that, and scored 35 goals, he'd set himself up for the kind of contract you're imagining, Eck. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true, just for sure. And he's All the right, kind Eck, of guy who play, still plays like that. Before we sign off, the biggest question that everybody needs to know, needs to have answered, and, and this is sensitive, did you have a falling out with Gritty? Because I see his head on a stick. And I want to know: Are the cops coming for you? No, but I. Now you got. I have to pay six hundred dollars per show to have Gritty back there. Um, you know, which is really, really killing me as far as making any money on this show. Um, yeah, Gritty six thousand dollars an hour. Um, pretty amazing. Yeah, no, Gritty and I have Gritty and I have always gotten along pretty well, surprisingly, despite my my writing about the psychological experiment that he was. Um, yeah, pretty well. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, we got to get out of here. Remember, without the buzz, folks, it is just hockey. Enjoy the game tonight. We will be back tomorrow because, you know, tomorrow we're going to talk about that uh, great uh, St. Louis-San Jose rematch, which will be quite the rematch tomorrow night because that game last night definitely set up for some high emotions in this series at this point. Remember that the buzz is just hockey. We will talk to you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.